What it is, it's your boy Big Phil. You already know this is the Veal Radio Show. You're rocking with Pastor Jay and your boy Shirt Dog and me, Big Phil. And we here continuing the part two why millennials are leaving the church right here on Pure Radio 107.9 FM. Let's go. Yes! Yo, what's cracking? Yo, this is the Bill Radio Show. We are back in full effect, about to snap your neck. I didn't mean to say that, but you get oh, where I'm coming nice. from. You know what I'm saying? Crack, uh, crack, crack, yeah, crack. Straight up. Kyra, I mean, Shirk Dog's in the building. Yeah. Shirk, holla at him. What's up? This is Jer Shirk. I'm in the building. We are in the building because we're on a stage, if you can hear that. Is Most there a, definitely. Yeah, yeah. might be night. an echo or something. We don't know. We don't know. But we just rocking. And I got big Philly Illies in the building. You're always with us. You always with us. You already know what it is and how we do it. That's that country grammar, that slang that make you slang. That thing that make you say, oh, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Every week. Every week we send a prayer out wall. to Big Phil. <laughs> hey, listen. So, yo, if you were rocking with us, you know what I'm saying? Welcome to the Ville Radio Show, by the way, people. We, we, we feel like y'all family, so we just jump into it. You know what I mean? But welcome to the Ville Radio Show. If you're a new listener, we're glad you've tuned in. You know what I'm saying? You're on 103.7 FM, 1320 AM, Pure Radio. Shout out to our people. Shout out to the Ville Church, our sponsors. I'm always holding this down and making this possible. Yo, listen, if you were with us last week, then you heard the conversation we had. It got really popping up in here or whatever. We were talking about this mass amount of millennials raised in the church that are leaving. You know what I'm saying? Right now, the statistics are absolutely crazy. Um, and I believe right now it's 59% of millennials raised in the church are actually leaving out of the church. It's a problem. So we started talking about how we need to... Um, Yo, we need to have a real conversation. So we started on that real conversation last week. And this is turning in the hearts of a lot of people, you know, and whatnot. Um, But we had some guests. We brought in some millennials to have the conversation with us or whatnot. You know what I'm saying? So, listen, introduce yourselves, people. You know what I'm saying? The people already know you from last week. Y'all were very memorable. So I know they're out there. But let them know it's good. Ladies first. Ladies first again. I'm Miss Daisy Shan. I, I can't remember how I introduced myself last time, but I am the host of the Miss Daisy Show podcast, and bum, I'm Phil's sister. That's the only reason I get to be here. Mm. So proud. That's a lot. So, is it sexist to say ladies first? I don't care because okay. ju- I'm an only child. I just prefer to be first anyway. So okay. it doesn't matter. Why are you trying to call me out? Oh, right. I'm just, I, and I just want to know, but this is Nick Smith, by the way. Hey, Gentlemen, last. Go ahead. Gentlemen <laughs>, laughs Yeah, it's Nick Smith What up, y'all? Uh, for those who don't know me I'm a high school program director Second Mile Ministries uh, Shout out to my gorgeous, beautiful wife Elizabeth Smith Come on, now Hot dog Hey, Elizabeth What up, Elizabeth? What's up, Elizabeth? Hi, Elizabeth So listen I'm gonna start us off with the statistics Just to get the conversation fresh And we can jump in this or whatever Last week we talk crazy, so we ain't even going to do no recaps on nothing or whatever. And, every, you know, we usually give you all all these other things, you know. Last week, week before last, we were talking about Beyonce and Chance to Rap on the Grammys and all that other stuff. And we ain't even going to do all that. We're getting right into this subject right now um, about this. I'm still getting death threats for saying Beyonce is overrated. You will, and you will get one live here today. Bro, we tried to <laughs> you tell you one. before you spoke if you say one now. that, you know, the yeah. beehive is real. You know what I mean? Like it's that joint in, in my ear. Straight up. It's not a game or whatever, man, but you it's know real. what I'm saying? You know how it goes. We got to say what we got to say. But listen, this conversation, 59% of church millennials leaving out of the church, right? Yes, sir. 
Let's talk about the statistics. All right, so the article that we were referencing last week um, was written by a writer by the name of Sam Eaton, right? And I just want to give you context. Sam Eaton is a believer, cares for the church, loves the church. Um, but he says some stuff that will actually step on people's toes or whatever concerning why millennials are there. And he puts a lot of the responsibility and weight on the church and the way we operate and the perspective we have towards this younger generation. And I would say it's safe to say that he's saying that we are not taking it very serious, um, this, this, this mass exodus of the church. One of the statements he says in this article is this. It says, where is the task force searching for the lost generation? Where is the introspective reflection necessary when one-third of a generation is anti-church? Homeboy got a question. Here's some of the other statistics he threw out here, right? And y'all can just jump in from this. Only two in ten Americans under 30 believe attending church is important or worthwhile. It's at an all-time low. 59% of millennials raised in the church have dropped out, like I told you. 35% of millennials have an anti-church stance, believing the church does more harm than good. It says millennials are the least likely age group of anyone to attend church by far. Let me say something. Hit it, shirt. <laughs> so, Go, shirt. Thank you, Miss Daisy. So uh, this is something I've been um, thinking about, and when I was in school, they were talking about this. So let me jump back a few generations. So we're the millennials. Yep. Four of us here. Jay is a Gen Xer. Um, the only one here. And uh, no, that's, that's twice he done um, put you out yeah, like that. But you know what? That's cool, though, because it's another perspective. My whole state. Yo, Phil, be quiet, okay? <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to we, get, we get the old folks to chime in. Listen, <laughs> I'm young. I'm young and hard, all right? That's, that's true. Straight up. So then the generation after that, baby boomers. Yep. And then the generation after that is the greatest generation ever. And they call them that. And if anyone argues against that, they can't say anything other than they actually brought us through World War One and Two, and we've never done anything like that. They literally saved the world. Yeah. So, shout out to the greatest generation ever, because uh, I was gonna say y'all can say what you want, but we don't know about nothing about saving the world about literally okay, so sacrificing put, also, I'm gonna ourselves. Put, I'm gonna put you on Spiz Naive, and that's spot Spiz for Naive. people that don't. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Okay, I get it. Uh, <laughs> so, are you equating that to your whiteness? Or Eek. because <laughs> that's a good question. No, that's a good question. Yeah, I'm a, I, and, and you, you know, because I'm because we I'm beg to differ. Yeah, because I don't know if my great 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 grandfather uh, is going to uh, feel that way. So sure. you tell me, is that equated to just your culture or? Well, let me ask you this. Okay. Would you rather be in a democracy or a totalitarian state? I would have preferred to still been in Africa minding my business. That's what I would have preferred. I know, but those but are only know, two options. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. <laughs> I don't know what I would prefer. Well, yeah. I'll tell you this. I know that democracy, all things are not equal, right? I get that. I don't get as much as y'all, but I'm understanding that more and more. Okay. And we, anyone here doesn't get it as much as our grandfathers and our grandmothers got it. Absolutely. If you're African-American. Absolutely. Right. But the idea in history, if you look at what Stalin did in Russia, if you look at literally Hitler murdering millions of Jews in gas chambers and camps, it's a little different. Okay. So it's not, I'm saying we're not in utopia, obviously, and we have tons of problem with democracy here okay. because of racism, classism, elitism, all that stuff. But as a whole, but as a whole, yeah. it's definitely better we'll than if we lost the, the world. We'll say they were a really can, good can generation. I, can I say this? 
there's some realistic things you are looking at in that conversation. I think sometimes for me it's hard to be realistic because when you talk about like Stalin and them or whatever and Hitler and everything else, I tend to look like the forefathers of this country and the people that perpetuated the slavery and the, and the transatlantic slave trade and all of that stuff mm-hmm. in the exact same way as them. Yeah, in so, the name of Jesus. Yeah, like mm-hmm. yeah, and so it's it's hard to find a. You know, it's hard to find a balance in being sober in it. Like, I get your statement completely. Yeah. But then there's this other thing where it's like it makes it hard for you to grab because of all the stuff that's on it. So a lot of times I feel like, for me, just per- speaking personally, like as a black man, like I look at stuff, I'm like, thank God for that. I think, and this is, I don't know, because we're... Well, it's hard for black people to kind of compare ourselves when it comes to things like the Holocaust and you know, mm-hmm. Nazi Germany and all that type of stuff. Just, well, but I just, can, just based off the fact. Um, but I can equate it to this. That's like me almost yeah, saying, okay. and Jeremy, this is just honest how I feel about it. Please do. It's almost just like me saying, man, I thank God for Frank Lucas and Nikki Barnes because those guys were uh, New York uh, CEOs and entrepreneurs. And for I thank God for guys like Free Ray Ricky Ross. Uh, like, look at those guys. Look at I, him. He's making. I don't know no, where no, Phil's going. Where I'm going to tell, <laughs> go, go tell you where I'm going. I'm going to tell you where I'm going. Free, the real freeway, freeway. Ricky Ross, um, now uh, establishes all type of community centers all over the country. Okay, he goes and talks to kids about drugs. Okay, um, I, that's like me saying. Shirk, your whole I, comment has went. went it's went left. It is. It's it almost like me saying I think I'm thankful for. Those guys being leaders, but I know how they got there. They sold millions well, and millions of dollars of I'm crack a, cocaine. I'm gonna help him out and, and they go killed back a to lot of they killed well, a lot of people. Our own people. I'm gonna yeah. help him out because he went. I went real, real he left. He went real left. But that's what I what go ahead. what he's trying. I don't know what he was trying to say actually, <laughs> but to what Jay was trying to say because that had sense. Um, Thank you. <laughs> no more, no problem. Um, as black people, um, I understood even, you feel e- by the way. <laughs> even in it's the response, hard, it was a harsh one. Was, yeah. yeah, even in response, in the way that we respond to things like Nazi Germany versus mm-hmm. Africans in the four hundred years of slavery is completely different. Also, mm-hmm. so you know, you cannot say anything anti-Jew. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I apologize for saying the word Jew because that is offensive. So you cannot say anything anti-Jewish because of the Holocaust and how we went in and fought. Like, you will not do this to those people and you will not, and we were like, any of y'all that can get over here, get over here, like we're taking you in and we're not gonna let them keep doing this to you. Meanwhile, right. we were over here, like, we nobody technically fought for us. Or you know, nobody for what we were doing. Well, I mean, so, even, even Abraham even Lincoln, that was statement. really just a, him even letting right. us free was still just like, you know, whatever. I'm sure, saying, sure, trying to tell y'all that was a general statement, man. Right. That was a general statement. I don't statement. know how it went left. Because there were it people. It was Phil's fault. There were people fighting. He doubted you first. For, <laughs> against slavery. So, sure. Most get definitely. Back, get, yes. back, get back to your original point. So, yeah, go ahead back there. Because this is not, okay. this, we hey, are look, not this here talking about hey, race. Hey, sure. You're talking about, you, look, you know, you tell me how us black folks <laughs> yeah. run to left field when you start saying something, bro. No, That conversation, we're going to go to Listen, several fields over. That's a whole nother show. It's a so whole nother game. Let's get back to this show why millennials are leaving okay, the church. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and what so, you were talking about. So, starting with that generation. Generation. 
I call him the greatest generation, maybe okay. because that's I'm white. Y'all yes. call him a really, no, really good generation. I, I will say that's to date, that's the largest uh, black middle class generation that we've had in America. So, yes. hmm. so there you that's go. That's education for me. Thank yeah. you, Mr. Neek. Yeah. Yes. Thank All you. right, so anyway, so we win the world wars, right? Right. Then we actually, because the like horrors and treachery and evil that we saw, our whole country basically becomes Christians. So in that generation, the greatest generation, 70% or more of the people actually went to church every Sunday, belonged to a church. Mm. So then the baby boomers came along, right? And we lived in a society that was Christendom. Yeah. But as you guys know, society didn't really reflect what the gospel right, was. All things weren't equal. You know, we, that's a whole different topic. But right. so then the baby boomers come along, and then they're going through the 60s, rebellion, all this stuff. And so the church changes a little bit. So instead of saying, here's the church, we just have to pop up in every neighborhood and people will come to us because everyone belongs in the church. It was, the question wasn't, do you go to church? It was, what church do you go to? Right. Now the question was, why aren't, the, why aren't the next generation, why aren't these baby boomers coming to us? All these people that were born after the war. So what the church did, they went from like Christendom where they're like, we set up shop and people come to us and that's it to being more like an attractive church. We're going to be like, you know, we're going to put, we're going to put um, a band in here. We're going to play drums, a guitar, like unheard of. So the greatest generation is like, this is insane. You guys, this is so crazy. Y'all are crazy, whatever. So the baby boomers kind of shifted what church was like in America. And then it went from 70% to the baby boomers were 50% right. were going to church, which is still a pretty good number. Then comes Gen X. And the attractiveness model kept going, where it was like, it was only about what can we do? What sermon series can we do? How can we have a big stage? How can we, young life's popping up. How can we do these parachurches to get people to come into the church? We're going to try and bring them all in as big as we can to the church. Come on, sir. Generation X, the number drops again mm. to about 30%. Come now. on, you, I see where you're going. 70, now. 50, yeah. 30. Now, all of culture the society as a whole has changed. We don't live in a Christian society anymore. No. We, we are post-Christian society. Can, will you make that statement again really quick? We do not live in a Christian society. Did y'all hear that? That, that is important. Say it important. again. Because for the people pastors and people in the church need to stop functioning like we do because if you, if you, swallow, that whole, if you swallow that whole, you'll start going on the, the offensive Mm -hmm. from a different perspective, which the offensive is the love of God and right. stop acting like, yo, this is the, like church authority means nothing to people who aren't unbelievers. Right. And hence you why you stop. have uh, evangelicals, again, we don't know what that means, and <laughs> uh, poor pastors in the pulpit convincing us to vote the lack thereof. Um, so which that's another get reason up there. why we do that because we say that we are a Christian nation. Mm -hmm. And again, sure, could you say that one more time? So we are post-Christian nation. Thank you very much. Thanks, okay. Thanks for so that. Now Keep here's driving, sir. Sure. Keep so driving, driving brother. Continue. So what happens is now we have these huge mega churches popping up because we want to attract as many people as possible to church. Yeah. And we're going to do the biggest, craziest thing so you don't want to miss Sunday. Yeah. Well, what happens is the world catches up to that, and they can do big, crazy stuff just as much as the church. So then it's a split of attention. So if it's a preference of what I want to do, 
well, then you get a consumeristic lifestyle of like, which church am I going to pick? This one doesn't fit my needs. This one has cooler stuff. Mm. I like this one because the pastor speaks to me. And it doesn't become me being part of God's church. It's like, what church actually serves me? Now, what happens is, then we have the millennials come up. Ooh. Millennials, they say about 20%. So we went from 70 from generation to generation, 70, 50, 30 to 20% of millennials actually go to church and function in the church. Now, why is that? This whole article is about why that's happening. And I think, like you said, what was the statistic about anti-church, millennials, anti-church? Anti-church, hold on for me real quick. Let me it was like 30-something. And I think we need to get more into the article too. See if he has some reasons of his yeah. own. Let's see if he got some reasons. And I got the people on live. Y'all give me some reasons of why you think millennials are leaving 35%. 35%. This is my last thing, and then we'll move forward. So why do they anti-church? Because why are 7,000 churches closing every month? Because Mm -hmm. they function. They're literally dying out because they function like if you build it, they will come. They don't go out. They only stay in, and they're waiting for this whole culture to change back into a Christian society where Christendom (laughs) rules and people come into church, which isn't happening. So they're dying. The oldest people, that generation, and even some baby boomers are literally dying out, so those churches are closing because they don't have anyone new coming in. Now, here's where I think the big turn is, and this is the big cool thing about our generation, not Jay's generation, but the millennial generation, (laughs) is that a new church has sprung up, and it's not an attraction church. It's not saying, we're going to do the coolest, most awesome thing to bring people to us. It's actually a missional church mm-hmm. where we're like, we're not going to stay in here and make the biggest, baddest, awesomest program. We're actually going to raise up disciples and raise up people to go out Ooh. to walk people into the church of Christ. The church Social. is not a building. It's a people. It so we're going to equip and train people to go out and do ministry amongst this non-Christian society. That's now, right. if the church, if you're a part of a church that's not about that, you are actually going to be a part of a dying church. Yeah. Yes. It you will die eventually. Yeah. So the question is, why are people anti-church? I think because most churches function like we said last show, where it's like, here's things you got to do if you want to come inside the building. Yeah. yeah. Which was great in Christianum. Yeah. Like that works because there's like instruction in the Lord, which I don't even think these are real things, whatever. But now... People are anti-church because they're being told what not to do. You're not doing good being out there. You need to be in here. But we're saying, well, come out to us. Meet us where we're at. If we're in sin, come, like, show that you care about us and rescue us. And who's doing that? Okay, so take it, take it I'm reading um, right now a book called The Reason for God. I like when Timothy. you get mad, Shirk. I'm sorry. I just had to say I like, I like when, you, when you turn up, brother. I love it. Go no, ahead. Sure. Um, I'm reading a book now um, called Reason for God by Timothy Keller. Good book. Um, and it, one of the things that hit me was a lot of people in church, they say, you know, we know God. He's big. Um, he's perfect. He's loving. He's everything. Um, so... He doesn't have to adjust to us. We have to adjust to him. But it is the exact opposite of that. So the church needs to model that that whole idea. We don't have to adjust ourselves to God because God adjusted himself to us. When he sent Jesus down here, he was like, they are terrible little kids. And I love them so much. So I know they can't adjust to me because I'm perfect. 
I am all in all. So I'm going to do it for them. I'm going to send myself, and I'm, gonna, I'm going to adjust to their life. Yeah. I'm going to adjust myself to their trials and their sins. Yeah. And the church has got to stop telling people that they need to adjust themselves to God because God didn't give us that burden. He said, just, oh, I, I've adjusted myself to you. So you don't have to worry about it. Like, just come to me. Give it all to me. Like, tell me, if, if you're addicted to porn, say, hey, God, I just really want to watch porn tonight. So help me not watch porn tonight. Help me pick you over the porn. Like, just help. Some people That's don't even know do. you can ask God a question like that. Yep. Because the church tells you. Don't question God. Or, Why not? He got all the answers. Yeah, oh, yeah. come on, Jesus. That's can, a good point. Can, I, can I throw something in here? I got a phone call from a friend last night, and, uh, and my friend told me, he said, he's been at a church, which I personally feel is a cult, <laughs> and I've never went in and talked bad about his church, mm-hmm. but I've tried to walk him through it over years, but he had some of the same excuses I had when I was somewhere that wasn't healthy. Um, and so I knew what it was, and I knew it wasn't time to take it there. And he called me last night, and we've been going through this conversation. Literally, the exit has been like a three-year process for him to leave out of this church. And I haven't judged it through him, to him because I know what it is, and I know what it makes you look at as a man. And last night was the first time in three years he called me said, I am done going to this church. And he said to me, said, Jay, why didn't you tell me I was a part of a cult? I said, bro, I tried to tell you so many times. And I said, you got these defense mechanisms out of the world. And he said, what's so hard for me right now is that I am realizing everything I've ever done has been based off of fear. Everything I preached, everything I said, he goes, I'm questioning if I know God. And I'm not taking this moment to judge him, but I'm trying to walk him into mercy, grace, love. I said, bro, God still has a plan for you. And just like Paul counted everything from the past as dung, but he stood on top of that mess to proclaim Jesus. I said, God is still going to make what you went through worthwhile. But it was crazy to hear him rationalize through this stuff. He's like, I haven't been able to have a voice. I've I haven't been, been able to been able to make a mistake. He's like, I re-, he goes, God gave me the green light to go, but I wouldn't go because I'm actually, I'm realizing man has been my God. My, if that the opinion is, of man. That, that is, I, I have a friend of mine who literally said in order for her to change churches, she has to move out of town. And it's crazy because I have thought that way before, and I'm only recently out of that mindset because you go into these places and man put, man gives you what you feel like you need in those places. They, they try to overcompensate whatever you're lacking, and it's like I said last time, it's a daddy issue. Yeah. They try to give you what you've been lacking, so when it's time, when God says, hey, girl, it's time that you can go, you you like I can't go I can't leave here like they need me here like that's dad that's mom that's my sister I can't leave here and God's like hey you gonna leave when I tell you to leave or you gonna make me make you leave yeah and that is what is happening and so when when God has to make you leave somewhere that's dangerous because when you leave it's if you would have left when he first gave you the green light to leave it would have been easy he would have been able to just, hey, you're going to leave here. This is where you're going to go. I'm going to tell you where you're going. But now you've forced, you, you've made life 
force your hand to go somewhere. And if you are not grounded in Jesus, you will just stay at home on a Sunday and listen to it online for a couple weeks. Then you get tired of listening to it online and somebody will have a plan to do some, some kind of brunch at 11 o'clock on Sunday. So now you're not going to church and now you're not watching on TV. Yeah. So eventually you fall into this trap of not going to church anymore. And yeah. that's what happens to these millennials when they when it's time for them to go. They don't know what to do because they've they realize that they're afraid of the opinion of man and you do not have to ask, please get this and please hear me. You do not have to ask a man for permission to leave nowhere. No, you, no, it's listen, not necessary. You, you, you don't. And just speaking from a perspective as a pastor, um, I, I think I took the conversation this way, but <laughs> spe I think speaking from a perspective as a father, as a pastor, I don't own anybody in this room. Right. I don't own anybody in the congregation. I love them. I'm called to serve them. I'm called to lead them. And I've had several people leave for whatever the various reasons are. And here's the thing. God, the God that's inside of our church is the same God outside of the church. So, like, I'm like, man, God can do amazing things with, even if I think they're wrong for why. Mm -hmm. God is still faithful. His mercy and grace still follows them out the door. Yep. So I can send them with a prayer and go, you know, I think it's some immature, immaturity involved in why you're le leaving or your feelings got hurt. Mm -hmm. But guess what? I didn't bounce on people because I was mad in my immaturity. And God still followed me at the door. And I think it goes back to what we're saying about what kind of gospel do you believe in? Do right. you believe in one where God lavishes love on even people who are messed up, sinners, hurt, you know, hurt people or, or hurt people? Or do you believe you have to get it right to purchase his love? One and, girl, one, right. Before y'all keep going. Somebody said, uh, uh, Jay, I think I know them. It's my home. I think it's my people's, yeah. Um, they, one, uh, it might they be my a, people's. It might be your people's. Yeah. They made a comment saying that they went through some of that same situation. Yeah. They were told that uh, um, if you leave God's blessings, if you leave, God's blessings won't be with you. And you will be cursed. I don't know why people yeah. believe that God that's is stuck a, in that's their a four from walls. Hell, yeah. My God is too big to be stuck in your four walls. On, why yeah. he only love me inside your but church? Here's, here's the thing on the opposite side. Yeah. I will say this. I love playing devil's advocate because I got some questions. Yeah. Yeah. But the well, white devil right here. Yeah. So, uh, don't say <laughs> Wait, who I'm said that? Because I wasn't going to say Yes. They are. Icy blue too. So while there's no, you don't have to ask permission mm. to leave a church my hope as a pastor is that you would ask because we love you so much and we're responsible for you that we would yeah. help you find a local church Absolutely. to actually be a part of and not yeah. go wandering off into churchlessness yeah yeah yeah. but if yeah. they had pastors like that they wouldn't that we wouldn't have the issue well maybe because i think at even our church not everyone's called to the mission this church is called to yeah that's true too. and so yeah. I can yeah, understand yeah, that, and I'm not forcing that box on anybody. And if you feel God's calling you to do something else and you need something else, I, I've literally told people, they said, hey, I'm looking, at ch uh, looking for a church. I'm thinking about checking your church out. I'm like, honestly, I don't think it's for you. And I'm not saying that because I'm trying to be rude. I just think knowing them, where they're at, and kind of where God has them and what they're called to, I'm like, maybe you should check out this church, this church. You can feel free to come anytime check out our church. Yeah. But I think But that's a level of maturity and humility that yeah. is not alive in most churches yeah. real real quick I, I just want to point out the tension between both of the things you're saying so there's this one side where like this is what we would hope for mm -hmm. what yeah. you're talking about and I've had people in church come and say hey look 
we're, we're about to go, and this is the reasons why we're going. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm like, man, I think you should. Or it's like, <laughs> hey, my wife, is this. It, 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 she's not really rocking with this. And it may even be for a reason that they're wrong in, mm -hmm. where it's like this whole helping the poor and all that, she got issues with it. I've had people say stuff like that. Wow. And then I've said, well, for the sake, like, number one, I'm not mad at your wife. Mm -hmm. That's where she's at. She's walking in the light being truthful. And for the sake of you and your wife, you need to find somewhere where it works for y'all. But keep working towards this subject and, and, and letting God work in her heart. And so I respect that in a huge way because yeah. it esteems me, number one, as a pastor, not because of my title, but just as a human being who prays and lays their life down. You stop Absolutely. to ask me a question. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? I, that's huge. But then I know what it's like, too, like what you're talking about when you know your pastor is not the type of pastor you can take that conversation and now you're in the jam mm -hmm. and you may want to do right and say, hey, I feel the Lord is calling me, but I know you won't let me go. Listen, well, it's like the person my people said, <laughs> that, you know, my people said that the pastor is going to take away God's blessing. Well, the pastor doesn't have doesn't that ability. Doesn't have that authority. Boom. Well, or, 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 they, a, they didn't say that the pastor is going to take, he just said, he that, said God, he told them that, God that God's blessing won't, won't be with them. And it's right. it's a it's a spirit of it's emotional abuse. manipulation, and that's where it goes. That's yeah. that's, well, exactly that's emotional what it abuse. It's like, emotional abuse. He that person probably shouldn't be a pastor. Wow, like well, that's emotional abuse. That's yeah. that's just like an emotionally abusive husband. Like like that you shouldn't be a husband. That is oppressive. <laughs> yes, and you know what's scary about that whole thing is it's a it's a very big call. Like yes. pastors by God are going to be judged harsher. Yes. And more than anybody, because we have actually taken a position where we're responsible for God's children and their coming into salvation and maturity and sanctification. And if we're abusive in that, I mean, y'all know what the Bible says about it. I mean, it's but scary. I, and yeah. I also think, but see, and, and I'm going to play, not, not necessarily the devil's advocate. Bill's advocate. I'm, I'm going I'm <laughs> to say this. I think that's very I, I think that's why it's important that we, the millennials that are in church that are mindful of these things, and I know y'all can't see me on live, but we live, and we right here rocking on the Ville Radio Show 103.7 <laughs> FM. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I have to do it and lay that out there. But um, what, I, what I was about to say was is that I think it's very important that we under, that for those of us that are mature and can have these conversations and know that when we have pastors and we have people that are over us that we consider uh, leaders and guardians of our lives that we that give us counsel that we understand that they are flawed and that sometimes yeah. these 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 type of conversations can result in these things and that doesn't mean that they don't love us that doesn't mean right. they don't want what's best yeah. for us because you know there's been transitions in my life church it, all of the type of things where yeah you know you go and you have these conversations and they they're not the best conversations they're not what you expect that you what you it's not what you expect and then they're not exactly what you thought you was going to get even if you left on a terms of we just going to agree to disagree yeah but you but yeah. on top of that you left with some other things that still doesn't mean that they don't love us that still doesn't mean that there's nope. not a a a a a a, a real care mm. for our souls. Uh, sometimes they just don't know what to say. How to and, actually do it. And how to yeah. actually yeah. do it. Yeah. And I think um, it's important that we, when we go have these conversations, that we take things like this into consideration. But when I say take them into consideration, I don't say just go and leave and just be like, yeah, he didn't give me. I think we need to be man enough and woman enough as sons and daughters 
Like, my dad, you know, I, when I have a personal issue with my biological father, I had to have a talk with my biological father. Oh, I had to yeah. say, hey, pops, yeah. this is what I'm not really feeling when it comes to this. <laughs> and I say, I thank God for you and my mother bringing me into this world and I've grown and I've become a grown man and you always saying that now. You always, I, I call him on it. You always say I'm a grown man. I'm proud of you. See what you're doing. Yeah. So I'm, as a grown man, I'm we'll saying to you, hey man, these things hurt me when you said this. Why did you feel the need to say this when we both know that this situation happened like this? I can recall a conversation that you told me the same thing happened to you. Why would you want to pull me? And we got to be willing in love to call them on these things. Yeah, I'm you, gonna you, right you, now. you know, yeah. just from a leader, like leaders, come back to leaders you. need to leave you the door me? open oh, okay. for <laughs> those yeah. conversations that like we need to, we need to, uh, you know, formulate a culture in our church where people know they can actually come and ask those questions and come and actually share their grief. If we're talking about mercy, grace, loving our neighbor, esteeming them higher than ourselves. Well, then we should have an open ear for them to come say, hey, I didn't like how you did this. Or when you said this, this is how I perceive. I'm not going to assume evil of you, but this is how it landed. And it kind of hurt and confused me. And we can have honest conversations because despite the way the church function and operates, we actually grow closer yeah. through those type of conversations. Yeah. Yeah, I, like, um, so like me and my pastor have disagreed on a lot. Yeah. Like, I'm, I've I'm, seen I'm, you on Facebook. Yeah, I know you I'm, not, I'm not talking like, you know. Oh yeah, well this could have been. Nah, I'm talking like real stuff. Screaming matches. I've seen you like, hurt on Facebook. Yeah, like, like hurt. We I've like hurt with you. We used to like argue, like both of us shedding tears, like both of us crying, like screaming matches. Like we've, we've we got that type of relationship. So I think that's important. Like if you don't know your pastor, yeah. like it's it's kind of difficult Ooh, to trust. Him, you said right? a lot right there. It's, it's, it's difficult to trust someone you don't know. Yeah. Like, so, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a small church advocate, you know. Uh, my pastor is, too, thankfully. He's like, I'm not I'm not pastoring more than 150 people. Jeez. And even that is, like, too much for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, but with, with, with him, like, we do have that relationship. Like, so I have a lot of things that I disagree with my pastor on, but, I, but I've never, so this is the, this is where, like, this is where it's really important, or what's really important. I've never once doubted that he loved me. Yeah. Like, yeah. even in our disagreements, yeah. even in our shouting matches, I've never doubted once. Yeah. Like, so. That's huge. That's the type of relationship I think pastors sh- should go towards more. But I-, I wanted to get back to the question that, that Shirk asked on the last show was how do we get to resolving these issues? Yeah. Yes. The, I think why, that's a good one. On why millennials can, are can, leaving but, the church. Before we get there, can we get into some of the details? Do he have some details on why millennials are leaving in the article? As some of y'all don't know, we're talking about this article, and this is how the show actually started. Last week's show where we talk about why millennials are leaving the church, and there was an article written by Sam Eaton. And that's right, Jay? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he was talking about how 59% of millennials uh, that were in church are leaving church and we were just wanting to discuss on the radio show today exactly our point of view and we got Miss Daisy and we got my man uh, Neek so we're catching everybody up and that's where we are and now we're going to talk about some details yo hold on hold on can we can we get to a song we can get to a song you know, we, we rocking hard let's, let's, let's hit a we're song we're halfway real quick. through the show yeah, we we, we, we rolling this, we keep, rolling. this we subject you already know this listen we're going to get to a song real quick <laughs> Listen, this is Ville Radio, 103.7 FM, 1320 AM, Pure Radio. You know what I'm going to drop? Right. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to drop that Club Nouveau lean on me. Oh, 
old school, you know what I mean? So good, you know what I'm saying? For real, yo, we need each other. They used to call me crazy Joe, now they call me Batman. Drop it, yo, drop it. We are 
What it is, it's your boy Big Phil. You already know this is the Veal Radio Show. You're rocking with Pastor Jay and your boy Shirk Dog and me, Big Phil, and we here continuing the part two why millennials are leaving the church right here on Pure Radio 107.9 FM. Let's go. Yes. And, and there's a problem when the church is forging ahead without ever asking for input. Yeah. And so they're not feeling the steam that the conversation. And I, I think it's very much like what you were saying before. Like a lot of times, like even like I was saying, I heard two pastors this week. They're going in on tattoos, they're going in on hats, and going in on clothing and everything else. People are using the pulpit to talk down, down to people mm-hmm. instead of actually talk to people. And millennials don't play that. We don't play. They don't do it. And so when we were off air, um, Shirt made a comment about how we like to lift ourselves up and we like to bring them down. Um, it, it's a direct reflection of that because yeah. you can't keep. Yeah. Um, so you're not gonna keep talking down on me and think that I'm not gonna be like, but hey, I'm smarter than y'all. Um, y'all just was doing what y'all wanted to do. Meanwhile, we went, took the time to prepare ourselves to do it. Like you can't think that you can keep beating people down and one, they gonna keep coming back because that's that's an abusive mindset. Like that's an abused mindset to think I'm gonna keep letting you talk about me. I'm going to keep letting you talk down on me and I'm going to keep showing up and helping and lifting you. Oh, I'm not going to keep doing that. So how do you so, reconcile that with Jesus saying you get slapped and turn the other cheek? Because we got we to gotta reconcile and we got to pull the God. See, what's important is, is that we got to pull, we got to pull the gospel. We got, we got to pull the gospel into view with, with our views and realize that the same issues that we're having with them, we can't allow them to grow, have us grow in bitterness and you know just all type of anger and because it can happen it can easily happen so where does the gospel play a part in this uh in understanding that their time of that how they came up because a lot of how they move has a lot to do with when they came out in the time that they came up and sure. the time they were raised so, so, so like like when like the, his first comment, like nobody's listening to us. So there's a certain amount of incompetence that is viewed when a lot of older people speak uh, millennials. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, it's, man, shout out to my boss, Jonathan uh, Blackburn. Uh, I call him the Reverend Doctor because uh, he's got like three degrees. Um, but. Uh, he, he has a heart for young black men in, in the poor inner city. And, like, these dudes, like, there are dudes, like, literally in my neighborhood like, that are 23 and 24 years old who they don't know what to do with their lives. Like, they don't, they, they have no idea, like, what to do. Yeah. And, like, like I, I've seen him, like, hey, if, if I get you in class, do you think you want to get your GED? And dudes are like, yeah, absolutely. Hey, like, and he just asked the question. Like yeah. these, these dudes who haven't graduated high school, right? Yeah. And so there's like that it's almost like a lot of millennials think themselves incompetent because that's what they've heard, but they haven't had opportunities to show that we are intelligent, show that we are leaders, that show that uh, we are contributors. Like they haven't had those opportunities. So there's there's that. Um and I, you know, to go with uh, on a critique, because I know we're going to get that later, but on uh, a critique on millennials, there's not, there's not a lot of patience. So, like, that's, that's what being, being a 
black Presbyterian, like the Lord has shown me, has taught me a lot of patience. So it, it like it, it really does take patience. Like I, I go to sin every every summer. This will be the fourth year I've gone to sin, which is our uh, um, church ecclesiology or uh, gov- government. So uh, so all the elders for, or uh, and the representing elder from each church, at least one, uh, would go up and. All the elders will vote on certain things church-wide, right? So every year ago, uh, except for last year, I was the only black person in. Uh, last year we had one black elder, and he wasn't a teaching elder. He was just one of the ruling elders. Uh, and every year I've gone, I've been one of the only millennials. So, you know, our, our church is slowly, our nomination is slowly dying. Right? Kind of like right now. Mm. So we haven't really lost members. Uh, we, we haven't really gained any either. So um, so I have to speak for millennials when I'm there, and I have to speak for black people. Right? So, but I, I know I've had some really, really great conversations with pastors who otherwise would have never heard. Like, yeah, like they're I think the statistic was what ninety percent of white people on Facebook have no interaction with black people. You know that? Like they, like they don't. They don't believe it. It's like imagine yeah, how many, know. imagine how many non-millennials have no interaction with millennials. No. Right. So. I mean, I, I, I don't have Facebook. I have <laughs> oh, oh, God. God. So, so I would so I remember having a conversation with this this kid's a baby woman. This guy's in the seventies. He was my moderator last year. Yeah. Uh, not last year, the year before. A guy named Jamie Hunt. Uh, he's a pastor up in uh, North Carolina, I believe. But um, I asked about a you know that we had our senate with another denomination. We current the use officer seventy two. Another Presbyterian nomination, and I asked the gentleman, and one of it was a, a, a missions meeting for both for the missions ministries. He's a nomination. I asked him, so what are you doing? How are you? What are you doing to accommodate uh, church planning in in the black community? And I got I got a roundabout answer from both gentlemen, and and this this old this seventy something year old you know white haired comb over with the blue blazer and the khakis, right? Walks over and he says, "They didn't really answer your question." Did they? And mm. I said, "No." Mm. And he asked me, "Well, what do you think we should do?" So, like, you know, that that came like when, when was it this planet or the bill? Sorry, four years. Four years ago, right? Yeah. Like that's the only time I've ever considered leaving my church was when I, I was going to the core meeting, the core group meetings with with Matt. Mm. That was the only time. I never considered leaving my church. But to embrace a guy, you know, he was teaching me patience. And if I had not been patient, Jamie Hunt, a 70-something-year-old white man, would not be asking a black millennial about what to do in evangelizing people not like themselves. And I think millennials need to know. I think millennials need to know that that's a big that's a big deal. And not to not to get caught up in I got a thousands of people standing in front of me, and I want my voice to be heard. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, I think that we gotta be able to understand it's not about how, not just about how many, but some have a lot of influence. Mm-hmm. And if we could just get the ears of those that 
our leaders in the church. And, so before you before you speak, and I also want to say because I, I, I see you saying I am not saying shrink back. Yeah, when I ain't saying shrink back. Your I'm not saying shrink back. I'm not saying fight for your position. Um, but there, there is a, a there is a certain amount of impatience millennials have, and I know it because I'm millennial and I'm very impatient. Well, to really love them, it's it's truth and grace. Yes. Yeah. So. I, I, I'm a I'm gonna try to wrap this up with this little comment because I know we want to get to some other points, but I am going to go to the. We just got a powerful comment. Powerful. I'm going to the far right, um, and I'm not gonna really harp on the the problems that millennials have. I know we're impatient, um, but what the article says is that we're not being heard, and that's why we're leaving. Yep. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and cast blame on both sides. We don't have patience because we don't want to yes. wait on yes. y'all to listen to us, yes. and y'all don't want to listen to us. Yes. So somewhere we do have to come together, yes. but we have to come together on equal playing fields, not you're here, we're here, and then we're going to come together. No, shrink your stuff down. And while, because we, we're not going to come from where we are. Y'all already have us at a little place. Y'all aren't listening, so you don't value us anyway. So, I'm going to say that somebody needs to come down, and we'll walk over to where y'all are over. We'll walk over where y'all are at, and listen to what we're saying, and don't disregard it. Because, like my had the over here, that nobody was listening to him, and then say, okay, so what do you think we should do? But had he not been there, well, and a lot of times we're not there. They don't take us to where they're going. We're not even at, we're not at the table to even have the conversation. So I'm not going to give us a lot of blame. I'm just going to say that if they would humble themselves a little bit, and then we would walk over and have a conversation. Sure, that's cool, sure. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think I was thinking about when Nick said this, and I think it was a good point. It's like, as African Americans, if a white person is telling you how black people are, but don't know black people, how would that make you feel? We got a problem. Yeah. I have a big problem. Big problem. Yeah. So, when, which is my life usually. Right. When these baby boomers are talking about millennials yeah. without talking to millennials, yes. we get really frustrated because we're not being heard. Yes. And we're not being asked. It's not even that we're being heard. Because we were trying to say stuff, but we're not even being asked. We're not even being approached. We're just being assumed. Right. That these people know, and they don't know millennials. Yeah. They don't so know us. Can, can you, so, you, you, so. One of the things is I, I, one of the things I'm saying, like when I'm listening to this, what I see as a big problem, I think is the lack of repentance that comes from the church yeah. has become a stumbling block for the church. So that's what I was disagreeing with Phil with. When he was like, we have to, we have this mindset that we want a lot of people listening to us and we want a lot of people. That's not, I don't believe that to be true because I can tell you in my whole life growing up in church, I never wanted a lot of people to hear me. I wanted specific people yeah. to hear me. Yeah. Because yeah. the true. other people, I don't, I don't really know them. Yes. Yeah. But I always had personal relationships with all my pastors, yeah. all my everybody who I've had those personal relationships. So it wasn't. I don't. I never wanted an audience. I wanted you. Like I wanted. I wanted the person who I had the actual relationship to hear me. Yeah. So that now, if the audience comes, that only comes based off of somebody watering the seed that was within me and then putting me in front of an audience. Well, 
But that's I'm from me just wanting to be in front of a thousand people. Right. I get nervous. Yeah, so right. I'm not out here trying to have Well, that's, 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 that's the thing. There's some, some, that's what I'm saying. Like, the, the important thing is, is those I that... I feel like baby boomers wanted their audiences. That's why they all wanted... They, it was cult-like. That's why they don't want nobody to leave in their church. Because they need everybody to come in. Oh God. And then they start talking about how they don't oh care God. about the numbers. They don't care about the numbers. We don't need no more members. Yes, you do. Because oh you want your church... Now, I was going to say... I was going to yeah. ask that. I was going to ask that question. I was going to say, is, it the res- is the result of churches dying and the result of how we have been doing church uh is it because of the mindset that a lot of gen x's and baby boomers applied like how they grew their church so it's like it's like you know what here's the thing from a broader sense most definitely i think there's characteristics that play out on all of these different generational levels that contribute to the issues but in a more direct sense to me it's completely a neglect of holding fast to the gospel which binds us all together throughout you know this the, the since the very beginning like the gospel the blood of jesus christ salvation through grace you know what i'm saying like the mercy of god it's, here's the thing. It's like when you when you read in the word and you talk about like how you hold the debt on someone when you've had such a debt wiped away. Right. When you talk about living that out inside of a room full of people in a church, that that is a beautiful thing. Right. And so, like not holding to the gospel and the things that ooze out so beautifully from the cross about the way we function with mercy. And um, forgiveness for each other and repentance. We're sinners. So in church, we hurt each other. The pastor is not God. The pastor needs to repent from the pulpit. He actually needs to be a chief and leader in repenting. He needs to use wisdom. But I thank God for shirt dog and for my brothers because we confess real ugly sins to each other and then we lavish each other with grace and then don't hold on to you that guy now. And so People want to come into something that has freedom to be the rep they are. I'll never forget we had somebody that told us one time in the church, they said, I love the church, but how messed up I am, y'all can't work with this. You you, you, this church moves too fast for a person as broken as I am. They told me that. You know what I did with it as a pastor? I came right up to the pulpit and told the whole entire church what somebody said about our church. Because the fact of the matter is, I was like, we need to slow down. Because this is not about how cute our church is, how fast we can run, and we can be better and cuter than everybody else. This is supposed to slow down to where anybody can jump on board. Because the blood of Jesus went to the bottom bottom of our sins and so we can't just fling this stuff out of our mouths like it's a cute thing you got to live it out and it takes the power of the holy spirit because like if you don't exercise patience it's going to be it's going to be hurtful that's why the bible tells us to share in suffering because he, he ain't point god is not sugarcoating this game so yo if you don't walk this walk you are called to share in suffering you are going to engage in stuff where people are going to be hitting your phone up with it like this church thing is a mess and in the fact that we pr it as if it isn't a mess is foolishness the only thing perfect up in our buildings is jesus christ 
That's it. Yeah. Everything up under that, from the pastor on down, is an absolute wreck. And we move and groove off the power of God and the work He has started. Come on, boy. The work He has started. And but so that, that lie will continue to grow. So, See, the churches will grow with pastors and preachers and and regular members and just volunteers if people would just knock down the foolishness that they hold up in front of people. These masks they put on yeah. that's perfect. I will tell anybody I have been a despicable person on numerous occasions in my life. That is the only reason that I hold fast to Jesus. I'm still, I am still literally I am still, still a despicable person. And God still keeps me close to him. Like if people would just stop with the nonsense, it would be easy. It would go quick. So yeah, real 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 quick. So like I think of four things, like when when it comes to like how do we change like this like these drastic numbers or like or why millennials are leaving is uh one, um we gotta change our theology love. Yeah. Like yes. we, we gotta say, we, yeah. we got we have to like like we all love a biblical love basically like if I'm talking to the church like you know Jesus said that they will know them uh, maybe they will know that you are my disciples yeah, they go for, for loving one another so uh, number two is we gotta change our theology of empathy yeah like we we have to like I don't even think most churches have a theology of empathy. Nope, they, but, they probably but, don't even know what it is. But what, what, is, what does Paul say? Like Paul says that <clears throat> for the weak, I became weak. Mm. Right? For the no. foolish, I became foolish. Yeah. Like, what is, what is Paul doing? I, he's empathizing with all, I become all things to all people. I'm empathizing with everybody. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's like one of the main things the church at large lacks is empathy. Yeah. Um, another thing is we got to change our theology of evangelism. Like, we we have we have to change up the idea of evangelism. Like like we're we're giving this cookie cutter gospel yeah. to folks. Like I don't need to go to Brentwood and tell my students that they are you know despicable. They are they've been told that their whole lives. Yeah. Like they've been treated that way their whole lives, right? The police harass them. Their teachers call them stupid all day long. Right. They need to know that there is a God who shared in their suffering. Man. Right, we can't give that. Exactly, we can't. We can't present this cookie. Oh, have you lied? Yes, you're lying. They know that already. I get. I get to the gospel every Tuesday. Um, and uh, what was the fourth one? Uh, I, the four, four things came to mind, but that's, that's just three. I'm, I'm gonna leave it at that. Uh, that's 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 right. We only got two minutes. Right. Gee, we, we had one phone break. I know. I know. Hey, so last week, I. Uh, preached a sermon on basically the main point was the church is the gospel made visible. Period. Yeah. So if we're not actually a community of believers making the gospel made visible through our actions, then we're failing as a church. Yeah. So everything we're saying, there's all, all the church games that we play, if it's not actually taking what is actually the gospel, this good news of Jesus Christ, making it visible to the whole world, we're failing as a church. Yeah. Yes. Now, we have one minute and 15 seconds. I want to say one. This yeah. is my critique for millennials, well, if they're listening. Give me 15 seconds at the end. Okay, this is my critique. My critique is what uh, Miss Daisy was, where she was driving uh, a few minutes ago. That was a 
Travis Fraser. Yeah, I, 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 I did. Right. I've never seen that movie before. Anyway, so we we do we reflect what's been given to us. You said that like you know if we're put down, then we're going to stand up and like try and level playing field. And one of the ways that we do that is that generation above us has constantly been like, hey, you're not you're not fitting the holiness of God. You need to act more holy. You need to do what's right. Our response, to, which without the gospel of grace, in it, our response to that is, look, we're sinners, and Jesus died for us, period. But my question to millennials is, well, why did he die for us? He actually died for us so that we can actually come into the image of God that we're created to be, which is to be holy, like God's holy, which we can only do through the blood of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. But we sit back and think, Okay, I'm saved, so now I can do whatever I want because come on, sure. come on, sure. And what their law is, it's like no, the law is actually good. It's being misused. Yeah. But the law, basically, we were created in a good way to live and a good way to actually worship God. And the only way we can get there, the law shows us that we're broken and we need a savior. But once we've been saved, the sanctification process is we've been set apart. Yeah. And we have been made a new people and a holy people by God. Not perfect, but on our way towards perfection. Yeah, listen, this is the Bill Radio Show. We are out of time. Before we go, I'm going to say this real quick. Pray for your leaders. Pray for your pastors. I know we go on in and we talk about it, but I'm one, and I'm telling you, a lot of them lay their life down. Whether they get it right or not, believe me, the, 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 it's heavy. It's a heavy place, and those prayers mean a lot. Encourage your pastor this week. If you have issues with them, sit down and have some conversations with them. And if you don't know know where to go from there, get on get on your knees and talk to the Lord about it. And uh, listen, we love y'all. It's the Bill Radio Show, Bill Radio 103.7, 1328 AM. Thank you for having us. Bill Church, thank you for supporting us. Check us out at thebill.church. Peace.